0: everyone and uh welcome to the higher estate where we talk about all things cannabis and we bridge the gap between the medical world and the recreational world lifestyle world call it whatever some awesome guests with us and uh we're gonna get into her Her name is uh Kelly Becker she is an awesome humanitarian she's uh heads up the uh cannabis educational guild and we'll talk about her as well uh get into what drives her what's her passion why she got into uh cannabis in the first place and all the things she's doing around the world which is kind of fucking outstanding and I you know I kind of can't wait to hear about it. Uh we also as usual have awesome Janelle she's here with us. Hey Janelle what's happening?
1: Hey guys I'm good. Yeah how was yeah. your 420? 420 was good. Um, it was a special one. Like it was literally 420, 420, right? So had to commem- commemorate it by uh, partaking. Uh, what did you partake with? Well, I'm not going to lie. I had to. I, I smoked. <laughs> what? You know what
0: I think about smoking.
1: I know, but you know what? Um my boyfriend rolled a, a joint and we actually had like the rolling paper, the 24 karat um rolling paper yeah. and that we had been saving for an occasion and we felt like this would be a fitting one so we went ahead and <laughs> we uh, did that.
0: That's pretty cool. I you know what? I um I was uh, on um uh what's it called? Uh what's the name of that Hamilton they do the uh Rena's Rina Rampersad's her uh her 420 show. Um I can't even honestly I can't even remember the name right now. Rina don't kill me. Um what's it called? <laughs> what's it called? High society supper clubs thing. Every every they've had like 7 of them and, and I can't remember what it's called like uh Canna Crawl, that's what it is. Yeah. Hamilton's Canacro that's pretty cool. I was on there for a couple uh, couple hours. We had a lot of fun. It was really hard this year, though, right? Like, you couldn't be out in public. It was... Um, there were some
1: virtual events to choose from, too.
0: Yeah, and it was kind of a shit show. Everybody's, like, virtual events. They had, like, you know, we we're they were broadcasting on two, two or three different Instagrams at one time. Everybody was kind of all over the place. It made it really, really difficult uh, to follow. But still, I mean, everybody was out. Uh, we were all still having a pretty good time and, you know, you got yeah. to see a lot more people. We still tried to stay pretty connected. No. Were you on any events?
1: I actually didn't do any um, cannabis themed events. I was having such a hard time choosing that I ended up um, on the on IG Live for Versus where Timland and Swiss Beats got Babyface. Yeah, yeah. To like sound off. On Riley's <laughs> Instagram yes
0: yeah that was pretty sick you know what derek showed that to me and i was watching it for a couple hours they had like seven hundred thousand people on instagram watching it how insane was that
1: yeah
0: baby face was pretty cool what'd you do kelly
2: i didn't even know i was on yet hi everyone
0: <laughs> you're totally on you've been on the whole time everybody's here the whole time we're all just hanging out Hey, Kevin, um, what, what did you? I
2: actually had a really rewarding 420. Uh, a lot of the cannabis industry seemed to come together around ending hunger. So the cannabis education guild was involved with an initiative in the US called uh 420 Chronic Relief. It was a large telethon all day. Whoopi Goldberg spoke, Tommy Chong, some musicians, and we just spoke about uh, what we're doing for global cannabis education and uh, we also did something in Toronto, uh, my backyard, my community, and we helped an organization called Feed It Forward, which rescues leftover food that's about to expire. And yeah. we created meals for um, the homeless. He does this, like, well before COVID. His name's Chef Jagger, truly inspirational. So myself and another um, Cannabis Education Guild member joined, and we we helped get those meals ready for, like, thousands of homeless people. That's you amazing
0: that is amazing where where does one find out more about i don't even know about this shit where where do you find out about like how do you get yourself involved i want to hear all about this stuff like I, you
2: get i would um, love you to be involved ira and janelle well, and, and watching uh we I do mean, these, we, we call them social good missions so depending on really like where there's an opportunity to help not necessarily even monetary of course you have to be comfortable with going outside we kept our distance we all wore masks but so you were like, outside I'm on the front lines and like i can't save lives in that way but i could definitely help package meals at you know a nice distance from somebody and this is also food that's about to go into the garbage like all these suppliers of restaurants are calling up chef jagger we have you know kilos of seafood that's about to go in the garbage he makes a stew he freezes it he distributes it around nathan phillips square and all these different communities where there's homeless people gathering at night and uh it's truly remarkable so if anyone wants to get involved with these social good missions yes certainly contact info at cannabis this is going to be one of many because as you know hunger was a problem before covid and it's going to be a problem after covid and you know, I'm really- not having
0: a problem with hunger right now. I, I fucking I'm eating everything in, in sight right now and it's driving me mad. But mm-hmm. but you're right. Like, I mean, in terms of like, yo, maybe it's something that we should do, Janelle. Why don't we go out and uh, and 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 like pack food, you know, I, Good. Not
1: th- I'm not for helping those in need. And I think um, what Kelly mentioned is so important. And I think we've stressed it on the past few episodes that there's so many like Societal issues that were happening pre-COVID that are still in existence. That despite the pandemic, we still have to help these people and consider their needs. So I think okay, it's really like, involved.
0: Okay, but like despite the pandemic, your hair looks like it's on point, yo. Are you breaking? Uh, you know, are you breaking quarantine to go get your hair did? Look, I got I've got a hat on today. By the way, it matches the yellow, and this thing's all fucked up in the back, but whatever. You know, I got a I got I got the hat on. Uh, I do have a shaved head, but how'd you get your hair done if, you know, why is it looking all right? What's so, going on there? You're breaking, you're breaking quarantine.
1: The pandemic is definitely teaching us women all about DIY. <laughs> do it yourself. Um, Cause we are the salons, the nail shops, everything is off limits right now. So Pinterest, um, your your family members, you're hitting them up to for the DIYs. But yeah, I just twisted it myself because I was that? like. Yeah, I was like, I can't have my hair looking crazy. <laughs>
0: okay, you see this image here? You know, I used to have dreads. Do you, you, you see that? Kelly, are you looking at that?
2: Is that really you? Is that in your fish <laughs> that is, days?
0: That is really me. That is, see, I can, honestly, I can never get a, a reaction out of this woman. I've been trying to get a reaction out of Kelly that is like, wow, for over a year now, she's like the most stoic human to me. Ever, I'm gonna like dr- always. I don't know why she does. I try everything I possibly can to be obnoxious and annoy the hell out of her, and it just and it- she just doesn't
1: fall for any of it. I, I don't get I'm it. Not to give you a reaction.
0: I- it tr- it drives yeah. me mad. Like I was like, expect her. Wow, that's you. I Look at your dreads. Blah. She's like, oh yeah, hmm mm, yeah. Mm. Like <laughs> not even. I've
2: seen a lot, a- Ira. I've seen a lot. It's <laughs> hard to impress.
0: <laughs> jeez but you want to hear a funny story. So Derek asked me before, you know, where did my dreads go? Yeah, I you'll like this story, Kelly. Um, so I used to play rugby, right? That was my sport. And uh, we're going back a couple of years now. I came home from a early spring practice. It was probably early March. Um fuck, it's still snowing, and but we're still practicing. That was years ago. Um, and the ground was soft and uh, i was practicing i came home and my head was a little bit itchy and uh, anybody that knows me knows that i like have a phobia of spiders bugs crawling things anything that like anything that moves that isn't bigger than a foot i'm freaked the fuck out i will run i will run for the hills and uh and like, ah, oh, just thinking about it just uh, gets to me. So I come home from a practice, I'm sitting on a couch and this was in our house that on Mapleside side back, uh, when we were, I'm in Dundas now, but in like another Hamilton and, uh, uh, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching TV and my head's itchy and I'm like, Naz, I tell my, I call my wife over. I'm like, Naz, my head is like itchy. And, uh, I must have had a twig I don't know what it was but she's like oh my god something's in your head I literally ran outside had her run upstairs and get the clippers within five minutes they were cut off I was I I was like "Um, how bad is that took me years to grow uh you know we're going on year. like I don't know it was years and years to grow to grow that because my hair doesn't grow quick now I can't even get it to grow this is what it looks like now now it's shaved right off look at that no head no hair Okay, me right now you know what I mean with a bald and head. I, total bald head. Hey, listen, I feel like I'm on point wearing this hat today. Cause you know, doctor wearing hat.
2: I feel kind of cool.
0: No, Kelly, what do you think about my opinion?
2: uh yeah, I think you're certainly always
0: cool. They uh, see, I I have no idea if she's even telling the truth when she talks. It's all you hear what I'm saying, right, know?
1: <laughs> yeah I wasn't sure what that I wasn't sure with that last comment I was like <laughs> is she being uh, honest Enough. just, just be, <laughs> I
0: have no idea if she's being honest I can't tell with I cannot tell with this woman I
1: feel like she's cool and we'll trust that All
2: right there's right. there's something about being um, an international lady of mystery that uh, I'm not just gonna crack and cave for you Ira.
0: Dreads or no dreads. Oh, I love it. Uh, And finally, listen. um, Where's your? Where's your? Where's your? Your child right now, (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: Janelle. Been down in the basement with his dad. As like I, the last few episodes have been hiding out in the bedroom so he doesn't like run into the video. But it gets I get so like cramped and hot. So I'm now in the dining room area that's a lot more light and airy. And I told him to stay in the basement. How old is <laughs> your am, dad? He's four years old
0: same same age as my daughter and honestly like I don't even know what to do anymore I'm getting calls from from the school and they're like yo what can we do to make your life easier so that your kid can do this online teaching I'm like come over to our house and teach them (laughs) because like honestly I can't even do the work that they're doing and there's so much going on anyway um that was fun well I'm glad that we're all here now and uh I'm not going to be doing the COVID corner anymore here. We're going to separate it. It just took too long and it was honestly, it was boring me. So, and if I can bore myself, I know that there's something wrong. Kelly. (laughs) I think
2: also sometimes it's nice to not talk about COVID. Like (laughs) it doesn't have to be our life.
0: Right. It's a good point. It, it, I mean, it, unfortunately, like it's so hard to get away from it, but, uh, you know it is yeah it's definitely doesn't have to be and doesn't have to be our focus of this thing so you know just on a quick, just on a quick update for 30 seconds um we're still going you can't up
2: resist. You I can't resist
0: I can't I still see that's the white coat you see I'm I'm kind of like this mixture of a human i've got the white coat that says hey he's a doctor and i got a hat that says you know whatever i got yeah i'm just like a i don't know i'm like a mix of every i'm like a mutt really okay so anyway we're going up um, cases have doubled literally since last week, but we're certainly not overwhelmed. Our system has ventilators on ventilators. We were preparing in our own hospital for like 900 vents. You know what I mean? We have 194 people on vents in on, all of Ontario. So I think we're, uh, we're doing a pretty good job. There were 600 cases, I think yesterday, 500 the day before the cases are mounting, but they're, but we're, we're definitely able to in our region anyways. Um, we're doing a pretty good job of keeping it at bay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, over to cannabis. We are going to be talking about cannabis around the world today, because uh, you know we got Kelly, is our our well-traveled human. She spends yeah. her life traveling around the world. But funny enough, not funny enough in news. I think one of the cool things is Lebanon. Like, how crazy is this? I found this this article. Lebanon uh, is the fir- you know, the first country, the first uh, Ar- Arab country to to legalize cannabis cultivation which is pretty pretty cool i mean they're a pretty moderate country to begin with women can vote (laughs) and like women have pretty much as 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 equal rights as it gets for that kind of region you know certainly familial rights when it comes to familial rights there's issues but i mean i think this is a pretty cool step no like fuck the world is uh Evolving and and cannabis. This is what I always said. Cannabis is a true example of democracy. It's the people that drive the legalization. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily governments that drive it. The people are asking, and the shit's happening. So I think it's kind of cool that that's happening. No?
1: I think Uh, it's definitely cool. Like it gives, especially when you look at it from like an economic standpoint, the uh, cultivation of cannabis um, allows a new industry to start. It allows for people to have jobs exportation money coming into the economy so from that standpoint like it's great for any country and like you said when the people mobilize for something for a new industry to happen it's amazing
0: yeah i think that's pretty cool especially like you know for for lebanon of all of all countries in the world to do it you've got lebanon like right on way to go lebanon <laughs> we back you strong <laughs> kelly there it is let's Fair see on. it lebanon. Yeah. God God be strong. Now, last thing on this thing is, you know, in Mexico, hey, people are talking out everywhere, right? You know what I mean? This isn't even news. This I just found this really funny. Abby wrote, and this funny. We always talk about ethical. It's ethical. So here we've got Mexican Mexican farmers are uh, growing cartel-free ethical (laughs) weed. You know, I I wonder what makes shit ethical. Like, it's ethical. Like. Blood-free? Blood-free cannabis. Okay, I mean, is that is that true? Uh, I don't. I hope so. It sounds really cool. I just love the word ethical involved <laughs> with this. You know, like if for something to be okay, as long as you put the word ethical, it's okay. You know, uh, you're ethically non-monogamous. It's ethical, so it's okay. <laughs> anyway, it's it's funny. This is uh, uh, you know. So cannabis is now you know ethical. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Nobody else thinks I'm funny.
1: I don't Honestly. Know what's interesting about it is like what are the cartels like sitting back and thinking like how i i'm just so curious like it's so interesting that they had so much control over that industry and now it's ethical and cartel free but like are the cartels just like laying in wait for like their moment or like what's going on well you know interesting
0: it's an interesting point. I'll tell you, I sat at a meeting uh, with some government officials from Mexico probably uh, two years ago now when they were thinking about getting into uh, the cultivation and distribution and all this stuff when when medical cannabis became legal in, in, in Mexico. It's probably been about two years that it's been legal in Mexico. Um, and uh, and I actually asked that question before they said it was ethically <laughs> ethically cartel-free. Um, how do you? How are they growing it? And where are the cartels? And to be honest, they were saying, you know, the cartels have an infrastructure already to grow this stuff. Yeah. So the cartels were growing it. They were selling it to the government or to maybe not to the government. I don't. I don't know. Uh, to whomever. Um, and then those people would sell it retail face forward. Cartels just wanted to grow it. You know, I think at some point you have to involve you have to involve all walks of of life. And you know, if it can bring peace if cannabis can be bring peace between between factions and groups why the fuck not you know um the same thing in uh colombia with legalizing if they ever legalized the coca leaf you know you'd probably have a lot of end of war there you know you let the cartels grow the coca leaf and and let everybody and then sell it and then they can sell it everybody sells it off you just legalize it and it's boom you're good i don't i don't know that's just my thought kelly well,
2: it was interesting i was in mexico last year and i found that none of the locals knew that it had been uh, legalized for medical purposes nor right. had they heard of cbd right so i don't know if the people have really received the message but you could also argue that in canada many people don't even know how to access legal cannabis or that you know shoppers drug mart can get you medical cannabis like is that true uninformed. do you think that
0: people still don't are still super uninformed
2: Yes absolutely. I I just think of like my parents friends like they still ask me like well how do I get it like they realize they can google and go to one of the stores but they don't know that the OCS is a channel like it's just not uh mainstream enough.
1: Yeah I like I speak to like regular folk and there's like a a understanding that it's illegal yes but I think to what Kelly is saying a lot of people don't even understand um the network the nitty-gritty details of it um I, and I mean even when you come down to knowing like the difference between strength like some people don't even know what CBD is versus THC like that's a conversation I've had to have numerous times to explain to people so I think yeah I've, ha- I've had that conversation so many times and it's not just with older people it's even with people like my own age and younger um, a lot of people just don't know the difference, like that, you know, CBD is different, CBD is not, um, doesn't give you the psychoactive, uh, isn't psychoactive and stuff like that. So I think as much as it's legal, there's still a lot of work to be done as far as education goes.
0: Really, I I find that so interesting. And maybe it's because I'm just like so involved in, um, you know, and the people that I'm surrounded by know about cannabis. But even like my patients seem to know about it now. And I'm almost like, fuck, I'm over it because everybody knows about it. But anyway, that brings us to Kelly. Kelly Becker.
2: I want to start with a question. If you're over cannabis, what are you into now?
0: I, that's, oh, shit. I'm not okay. over cannabis. I would. Oh, that was. Ah, OK. So it's not that I'm over cannabis. I love cannabis. Cannabis is forever going to be something that I had, uh, you know, a footprint in, in and ha- helping, you know, bring to the forefront specifically in medicine. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, maybe it has, you know, may, has it been played out? That's a question. That i was going to ask you has it been played out and we're moving on i think what i've done is moved into more of a holistic approach and i'm looking at plant-based medicine now and and not just at cannabis anymore i'm starting to look at uh psilocybin and lsd which isn't lsd not being plant-based but um you know and and psychedelics and and that kind of stuff and looking at a, a well rounded approach where cannabis we needed to look at it very specifically but you know, but you bring back you bring it you, but Kelly, you brought it back to the point where and so Janelle, you did as well. Maybe it's not Plato. Maybe I'm just, you know, in terms of education, and that brings me to, and maybe I'm just super like unicentric, looking at myself and my own little world. And that brings me to to Kelly, and and that's see, all of a sudden I get a smile out of Kelly. When she? she's like,
1: see ah, this fucking. No. Yeah.
0: I get it. Well, you're talking about yourself again, Ira. Now, all of a sudden, Kelly smiles. She's like, oh, finally some insight. Listen now, Kelly. I got you. All right. I, I know. I know. Um, all right. Let's talk to Kelly, though. Kelly Becker uh, is the executive director of uh, the Cannabis Educational Guild. She has worked for multiple NGOs. She's uh, even built some schools in, in East Asia. Yeah.
2: South. So, Southeast fuck. Asia yes. okay
0: Southeast Asia I'm horrible at geography but I'm getting there she talks <laughs> a lot about uh, emerging European markets and uh, East Asian markets Southeast Asian markets she's been all over the world what Kelly first before we even get to this photo keep that photo up there but Kelly I, I want to know like tell me tell me about you tell like how did you get into cannabis why why did you start in cannabis where did you grow up fuck
2: uh, I grew up I grew up in Toronto, in Thornhill, right We're near you. We're not quite the same age, so our
0: paths don't cross. You're older than me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's all the cannabis, yes. That's why I look older than you. Um, so I was living abroad in Cambodia, where I um, co-founded a school there and lived and came back to Canada to fundraise to keep the school running on an island called Koh Rong, where they previously didn't have a school.
0: Why did you go to Cambodia?
2: I was teaching in South Korea as kind of a lost graduate who wanted to travel and see the world, but have like a little bit of purpose. And I had worked with kids my whole life, so that was fine teaching them English. I uh, speak Korean, Hangul, Malchogamariyo, so that was a valuable skill to pick up in Korea. Nay, nay, yes. And uh, from. There, From there, I traveled around Asia on my holidays, and really just the poverty in Southeast Asia started chipping away at my heart. And you're partying, and you're having the time of your life on the beach, full moon parties, and there's these kids coming up to you at 3 in the morning selling flowers. They're like 7-year-olds holding a 1-year-old, and you're like... How is this even possible? We see homelessness in Toronto. We see lots of poverty, but never children. So How would that make
0: you feel, seeing that while you were on the other side?
2: It really uh, broke my heart completely. I'm exposing to you, Ira. I was sad, but I felt very driven to do something about it. So I ended up on this. I wanted to tour around the country and see where my efforts would be best put to use, I thought with an established NGO. And I ended up uh, on this island called Koh Rong. It was like Thailand 30 years ago. Tourism was just starting. And all the kids were playing on the beach with tourists. And I just said to the locals, like if your kids speak English and use computers in 10 years, They will work in the hotels and they won't be selling drugs or flowers or bracelets on the beach or their bodies. So we started a school and the whole village uh, really came together and we had a clinic as well. We had nurses at the time there from Italy and we were, you know, getting these locals ready for tourism. And now like the first road has been built around the island. The hotels are being built like it's a reality. And when I came back to Canada to just focus on fundraising so we could have Cambodian staff run it because that's what you want to be a sustainable organization, is when the legal medical cannabis market was really kicking off here. And uh, a friend of mine was uh, at Med Relief and he was like, you you care about cannabis? Like, no. why don't you? No, know actually. You? And uh, I was like, yeah, I really do care about cannabis, but I, I thought more in a recreational way. I never realized I was self-medicating. I had heard it's good for cancer patients, but like that was the extent to my knowledge. And, you know, walking through the med relief facility that first day, I could not believe the level of, you know, quality, the standards,
0: the the change,
2: cameras, the team, the thought that went behind which yields, which clones, like it was next level and uh, starting to talk to patients and doctors. Like I focused on fundraising for Cambodia, but I also was very driven to um, help patients in Canada so that's when I started kind of straddling the globe and doing both but Mm. I guess it was was like my that was uh like summer 2015 so med relief was one of the I don't know top 10 to get their license and it was incredible And, and similar to my experience starting the school in Cambodia it was startup life so it was wear many hats, you know, on the road with Alex Revitch. Now you're making marketing materials, now you're on phones, now you're, you know, why giving the a doctorate shift into cannabis.
0: Though, why the shift into cannabis? It seems like your passion your, you know, your passion was for creating, I guess creation, creating things for people and and finding finding, you know, areas that of injustice maybe and and or areas of of growth and, and working through them. I understand that, you know, you see this poverty and you see people like working in this environment or living in an environment where you have, you have so much. And then you see people that have so little and you're trying to help build for them. But what was your, and that makes total sense. So your drive for cannabis, did you use cannabis when you were younger? Like what was your drive into that? And I guess you haven't left the NGO scene, Clearly, but what was your drive into cannabis?
1: Yeah.
2: It's a great question. I guess I left out a piece of the story. So maybe my third week sitting in the med relief uh, facility, uh, talking to angry patients on the phone who were just like, Where's my package? Why hasn't Canada Post delivered it? And I was thinking about these kids who, you know, every day there was a different challenge and we were trying to get food or clothes on their back, or get convince their parents that they need to go to school, like really meaningful work, and it just felt like, I know cannabis is important as a medicine, but I'm not feeling the same drive I felt to help, like, these, you know, serious issues of poverty. And a scientist at MedRelief, her name's Hale, she comes from Iran, she used to study poppies, she calls me into her office and she's like, look, Kelly, people in Africa and Thailand are studying cannabis as a treatment for malaria. And it was just like, mind is blown, what do you mean? So I realized there's this global picture and I had seen it growing everywhere in Southeast Asia and India uh, when I was traveling and volunteering. So I was like, of course, this is going to like not only impact them and their quality of life as patients, but like the socioeconomic impact is too massive. So I really, I stuck it out in Canada for five years, had the most amazing time. I don't mean it in a negative way. And that's not you though, because
0: you're you're a traveler. You're not, you're like- But it's,
2: it's, it's more about being the bridge, Ira. Like people think, oh, you're so lost. No, I feel found when I can like drive the resources and expertise and money from Canada to these amazing causes. And I think that cannabis- aligning with some of these developing countries that are starting to legalize it will position Canada to help lift these countries out of poverty and as well you know help Canada as we grow our global industry.
0: Was it your first so your first your first encounter with like true poverty was when you were in Southeast Asia and you were doing this thing and you saw these kids. Was that your first encounter with poverty and that really was like the major change?
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I would say so. Like I had volunteered with organizations in Toronto, but more like Canadian Foundation for AIDS Research, a little bit more like uh, condition specific and still like f- first world uh, fundraising. So like galas, everything was beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. I organized galas, but it was just being on the ground in the village, like going around shack to shack, pulling these kids out of their house, making them realize you come to school every day. Like this is not universal knowledge, teaching them to brush their teeth, teaching them to wash their hands after they go to the washroom. Like we think these things are universally taught and they're just not. So it just, it felt like a more of like a mission and like be again, being that bridge. So I think it's not about necessarily traveling. It's about driving like purpose in my work and my skills.
0: I agree with you. I and and you know, I'm, I'm sorry if you thought when I said, you know, you're a world traveler and you, you're, you know, you're a restless soul. I, I don't think that's negative. I actually think that's so super fucking positive. Yeah. You know, I think all of us here are restless souls and we're always searching for something to f- fulfill that, you know, that, that need, that drive. And, uh, and so like, and for you not to want to stay here and to always want to be traveling, isn't a bad thing. That's yeah. a fucking awesome thing. And I think most people just want to do that. I don't know about you, Janelle, like, you know, like how badly do you want to travel right now?
1: You know what I mean? I, I <laughs> want to badly, but um, I think it's amazing when people travel with purpose. It's, I mean, it's one thing, and I'm, don't get me wrong. I think having a vacation and just like shooting the shit and like putting all your cares away and just kind of enjoying yourself is great. But I think there's something to be said about when you travel and you travel with a purpose, You go to a country not to exploit it, but to add to it and to help it grow. I think that's amazing. And I think a lot of us can learn from that and, I mean, take something away from it. For me personally, I haven't, like, I have my son and I haven't done a lot of traveling with him yet because I just realized that he's not at an age where he can really understand and appreciate it. And when I take him across the globe or, you know, to different places, I want him to be able to see and understand what is happening in in these countries and to have like meaningful conversations with him. So it's not just, you know, useless travel or like just vanity, but, um, I mean, that's just me personally.
0: I think, I mean, I think it's wonderful. So like, so then you found your passion in, in cannabis because you saw that, you know, it can impact and cannabis has that ability. That's why I, I love the fucking cannabis world. It's it's a medicine. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifesaver. It's a it's a world changer. Uh, I, I, it can do so much good. So you find your 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 passion to continue in cannabis because you hear that it has the ability to change other people's lives. And actually, you know, there's a thing that you said in in your. I was reading your bio, and it said, you know, you're a um, uh, what is it called? A social impact leader, right? And okay. and and that's kind of cool, right? Like you're a social impact leader. So you're working for your. You start off in cannabis. You're working for Med Relief, and uh, eventually, you know, that's great and all, and you decide to leave Med Relief, and. Did you do that because you know? Aside from all the politics of working with industry and all the shit that we can see and like, and I, I mean, I just don't take you as somebody who follows rules all that well, or listens to anybody at all, aside from your in inter- And that's good. You know, if you got an internal voice that's that that says you know, that has a good eth- ethical. I'm gonna use the word ethical. That has a good ethical guide. Then why the hell not? You know, and just follow it. So you leave and you go off again. To uh, to heal the world. I want to know why you keep. I mean, healing the world is is awesome. That Tikkun, that healing. You right. You know what I mean. It it,
2: yeah, it, that's actually tikkun. a Med Relief partner.
0: Well, I, Tikkun. I mean, it's it's actually a concept that dates back thousands of years. Yeah. That that somebody may have exploited for uh, for industry industrial purposes. But anyways, great idea. An Israeli company came up with it. Med Relief ties into it. They have their own. You know. Right there, you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, they so so you're now working with with uh on your own and uh yeah. and you're still being a social impact leader and yeah. uh and where do you go tell me what happens from there you go on to start this cannabis educational guild and then you hang out in southeast asia again for a whole bunch of months what are you like like how how do that, how like, oh what drives that woman to do all these things you know i mean poverty is one thing seeing poverty is one thing but but taking an active stance in it, like you, you're spending time away from your family that much is not such an easy thing, you know. So, you know, like what are you seeing out there?
2: So I guess to conclude the journey of the Canadian cannabis uh, industry, I was part of Med Relief and Aurora and uh, my focus changed to the adult use market and that was Fun and all, yeah, but bored you.
0: I, nah, that's not your shit.
2: I, I learned a lot. I met a lot of fabulous people through a lot of fabulous parties. But you know, I was thinking about this global, you know, social impact of cannabis, and I uh, left in August on a one way to Korea because I was speaking at uh, one of the first ever educational events they were having at a university. So that was really. Awesome. I got to brush up on my Korean skills and like wow them a little bit with my uh, Korean knowledge. Fun fact, the word for cannabis in Korean is Tema. 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 So we did our first Tema event.
0: Ma in
2: China. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There are definitely uh, similarities between the languages. And uh, from there, it was just like an Asian whirlwind. I was going around, I was doing education. I spoke at the first uh, cannabis conference in the Philippines and people thought I was crazy. Like, it, you, people are still killed for cannabis possession in the Philippines. I'm like, it's at the Marriott, it'll be fine. And like, people didn't so come why because they were worried. Why? People are shot for cannabis. No,
0: but it's, why are you willing to go do that?
2: Um, I think it's just, a calling, it's a duty. It's I, I've had this uh, experience before of being the acting like a community bridge builder of sorts. So I was like, I I have this gift of five years of cannabis knowledge. Like, why wouldn't I be taking it to these emerging markets, especially for the socioeconomic potential, if they can embed that social impact into their regulations from the beginning of the industry, then maybe every farmer has to grow X amount of hemp to make protein for you know the kids to have at school every day so that there's less malnutrition and stunting in children like these types of things can be thought out now that Canada is a mature uh industry we can are we, we can learn from us
0: are you do you think that you you're are you taking some of these things that we've learned here back there and just building on them or do you think that we totally fucked it up and uh and the, and and it can be done better elsewhere
2: I think we did a good job. We had no playbook to follow. We did the best that we could with there being no benchmark. We created the benchmark. So a lot of countries that don't know the details of what's going on here really look to Canada as leaders, and we certainly are in many different ways, but can they do better and build upon it? For sure. And is it a completely different situation when you're only doing outdoor growing and, you know, they don't have the expertise for processing and manufacturing, but if they can get to that place with, you know, Canadian industry, American industry helping out, I would love to see them really leading in, in hemp textile processing or, you know, hempcrete for sustainable housing. Like the, I'm thinking about- Hempcrete's a whole-
0: really cool idea.
2: It's hempcrete amazing. Hempcrete really fucking I'm, I'm awesome I'm thinking about argument. it from the, the whole plant perspective. Not like yeah. when I say like cannabis can end world suffering, I don't mean just the cannabinoids, the drug variety. I mean like the plant in its entirety, its multi-purposes and how it's going to reduce our carbon footprint and make us healthier and nicer human beings.
0: You're on a mission <laughs> to end world suffering. That's like that's that's you. That's
2: me. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: you. You're you're. That's pretty cool that you want to do that. So you're over in Southeast Asia, over in yes, Korea. So you're over in all over these there, places. I was over
2: there at the same time. A Good friend in the industry, cannabis consultant Jen Larry. She was building shout out Jen. Cannabis, shout out to Jen. Woo.
0: Now there's She's another the one. It's
2: She's like really I call these two are like my
0: cheap. like sisters. They just basically you just. Wish hit hit see look see, oh, she's talking about herself again Oh, look that makes her smile huh?
2: no i want to talk about jen and how okay, amazing this all jen. came to jen be jen is awesome okay, jen's awesome jen larry um so she put together uh with a bunch of cannabis industry experts this education platform the guild and it was about equalizing the playing field. It was about new people coming to the industry and not being bullied for knowing less than, you know, anyone who's been around for five, 10, 20 years and making it about healthy cannabis discourse, which is so important so bullied? that everyone work together. And you were bullied?
0: Were you bullied?
2: Was I bullied? Um, no, I think I received good karma in the industry because I was pretty inclusive. And I, I felt that if anybody was new, I wanted to like teach them everything that I was taught. So we just figured this is a great way to start educating Canadians that wanted to get into the sector. And I was in Asia reviewing the content. She asked me to come on board as the executive director because I care so much about education, whether that's like Cambodian kids or you know doctors learning about cannabis. And I was going through the content, and it was fabulous. And I was like, we need to bring this to Asia. Every doctor I'm meeting, every member of government, they need this. They need this right now. And she was like, you're crazy. Most of Asia is not even legal. What are you talking about? And I was like, no, let's take the content and do live events around Asia. So we partnered with an incredible doctor in Malaysia, Dr. Edwin Chang, And he helped us gather the medical community as well as different investors, members of government, key opinion leaders. And in January, we threw like over 200 person event of a full day cannabis symposium called the Asian Medical Cannabis Symposium. And it wasn't just Malaysians in the room. Also, Malaysia is a Muslim country. So this was just crazy that it was going down. But other people flew in we had people from five different countries the philippines korea singapore uh indonesia and throw up that throw up that
0: photo throw up that photo of uh that first photo there that we were looking at uh no this i guess that first one is you building something building a school that was
2: me in cambodia yeah
0: yeah this one here where's this
2: So this was the uh, event I'm talking about in Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. And these are all doctors in Malaysia. People came from outside of the city as well. And what's incredible is that these two women approached me on the break and they're they're gynecologists. And they're like, we really want to look into some research around cannabis for endometriosis. endometriosis." And I said, that's amazing because guess what? That's why I have a prescription. I will tell every man I have." It's you know, I was gonna period cramps.
0: I have a whole protocol for a women's health study looking at, uh, at cannabis for endometriosis, but uh, it never got we off the to ground. talk because, about
2: that offline, but yes, these uh doctors just you know, we'll talk about so, that
0: offline. I don't fucking talk about it now. Just kidding.
2: All right, okay, just, let's get I'm into it. I'm sure all your male viewers really want to dive deep into uh, you menstrual know, pain.
0: sure do (laughs) they sure do makes life a lot easier yeah okay so go on
2: oh anyway it was just incredible to see that you know english was something that brought all these different asian countries together cannabis uh jen and i being from canada bringing this like non-bias like we had no sponsors like it was just straight up neutral education and we talked about hemp and we talked about, you know, investing in a new tomorrow and different strategies for them to wow. think about this industry. And that uh, then warranted us a visit to the Malaysian Minister of Health. The next day we were in his office and wow. uh, sharing some really exciting stuff with so him and his
0: task was this force. E- Is this the event that you put you put this event on?
2: As the Cannabis Education Guild, yes. And so we're growing members now. Uh, We're actually still in beta. We're working with commercial groups in Canada, but the live uh, online platform will be live in May. So if you go to CannabisEducationGuild.com, you can become a member very soon. And so these uh, people who learned with us as well are members. So now we have members that have learned with us in Malaysia, Thailand, Korea, all over Asia, um, Jamaica, and Canada and these
1: uh, around the world like this, because now you you seem to be in a, a bunch of countries. Do you notice um, any major challenges with uh, disseminating the information or just being allowed to educate people in comparison to like somewhere like North America?
2: Great question. We obviously tread very carefully, always um, get approvals from, you know, flyers or venues based off of our local, um, you know, partners, because you can't come into a foreign country and think that you know the customs and the way they would go about inviting people or it's telling certain stakeholders versus others or how they disseminate the news. So I think it's really crucial when you're going into foreign markets that you tread carefully with the right uh, boots on the ground because, you know, you don't want to ever come in and be telling them you want to be educating with them.
1: Amazing.
0: So where's the educational guild headed now? And is are you focused on on? You know we're so focused. Like you, like I said before, I'm so focused on the world around me. Uh, it's hard, and we all are. It's hard to see what's happening in other parts of the world. You know this woman, like right here, she was literally getting on a plane in the middle of COVID. She's a boss woman. I mean, like you you, you really are. You don't yeah. you know. I'm still trying to right still trying to figure out you know your drive, and I see the passion around trying to create better better lives for other people um, and, and, and things that you've seen throughout your travels that probably shaped who you are today because of those travels, where you were so fortunate to have so much and then going to these places and seeing people that have so little driving you. I think it's wonderful. And, you know, but I, we're stuck here. And what I see here is, you know, people that have all this education and that, you know, the education is kind of getting out there. Whereas... southeast asia wherever that is on a map somewhere the uh i did horrible in geography took me years to get out of it i much preferred (laughs) history and uh it took me seven years to get out of high school i still became a doctor just saying um you know uh, what you know where is the educational guild going are you focused out there are you focused here where's your focus what's the what's the future for this thing
2: Well, we are a global platform for cannabis education and social good. So we definitely have focus in terms of providing credible, valuable content from leading experts around the world. But it's not limited to anyone. If you're a medical professional, overseas if you're a you know independent you know student who's graduating and wants to get into the industry we're we're really open to edu- like educating anyone who wants to learn there's a lot of content you have to commit at least 10 hours to going through the modules to listening to the videos of the experts taking all the quizzes and passing, but we really believe that if you have this base foundation of knowledge, you'll have the confidence to engage in industry discussion. You will feel like you have acquired a clearer lens and, you know, be part of a growing industry. And I think what's amazing about some of the stuff that's coming soon, the webinars and like online forums we're going to have is that we're bringing together some of the best minds in the industry. So, you know, that the medical professionals can learn from one another almost like a think tank, like an industry think tank.
0: Do you, do you think that education? So you actually mentioned two
2: things. You said, you do education
0: and social good before I get it. What do you, what do you mean by, by that? Education is one thing, social good. Are, Are you do, are you trying to combine your, your NGO work with this skilled? And like, what, what, uh,
2: Absolutely. You nailed it. So why would we be an enterprise when we could be a global social enterprise? So we are giving 20% of all our profits, whether that's through coming to one of our events or special programs or logging in and and becoming an online member. Um, All those profits are going to a fund that we're raising money for social good. And I'm not going to dive into the details of the initiatives right now, but it's definitely includes uh, a lot of Serious work with some volunteers, like I was mentioning, if anyone wants to be part of these social good missions, they can, ranging from helping to end hunger to uh, helping, you know, victims who have been human trafficked. Like we're really covering a lot of areas of suffering because we believe that cannabis is this tool for good. Is It has an ethos of healing. So let's profit off the plant and do something good and inspire the industry along the way to also maybe operate more Ethically
0: got to use the word,
2: got to use the word. So I think, you know, we're really a global social enterprise. So we, we have focus in the content and the messages we're delivering, but we want this to also be a vehicle to really make some serious social impact through cannabis.
0: What's your message, your message, your personal Kelly message in this world. What's your personal message? If you had to choose one message. Out of all this stuff that you've seen and done and one thing that you're trying, I know it puts you on the spot a little bit and you probably hadn't thought about it. And but like what what is what is what is Kelly's Kelly's goal? If you could say one thing about what you know, what your what your goal is now in life, let's say, or message to people, what would that what would it be?
2: I believe that we all have an ability inside of us to be an agent for change. And that could like be that. in a micro, everyday way by making people smile, sending a thoughtful text to someone having a hard time. You're you're changing their day. You're changing their moods. You're, you're a change agent. I, I think that the more you do it in the micro ways, you can... Lift it up to strangers and your community and the world. So you know, step into this new way of working with one another and how we treat one another. And I think that i'm I'm really on a mission to see cannabis as a sector uh, operate differently, business as unusual, and that means a uh, slavery- free cannabis industry. That means one that doesn't have bullying. Um, or discrimination. It's inclusive. And I think it. it's going in a great direction so far. So agents for change. We're all
1: I, change I, agents.
0: You know, I love that message. Agent for being agent for change. Yeah. Positive change. So that's really cool. You know, I, I see you here in this this photo. I don't know. It looks like you're harvesting uh, cannabis for somebody. Um, yes. And you have a big ass smile on your face underneath that mask absolutely is that what, what's going on here that's uh, yeah. looks smiling. like and that yeah that's i know being an agent for change that's really important last question to you
1: what's that said i would be smiling too if i had that in my hand
0: yeah so would I. <laughs> I think everybody would be at this point Jeez. uh last question is education dead has you know like not dead you know, maybe that's not the right, right way. Has it been, you know, we were talking about earlier, has it been played out? I don't, you know, I was like, "Mm, maybe not. Where do you think the opportunity for educating is right now? Maybe that's a better question.
2: I think there's lots of opportunity in educating um, people and really tailoring the education to their unique needs. So if you're a health and safety group versus, you know, a member of government versus a mom deciding what to do with uh, their parent or their child uh, debating cannabis treatment. I think the education needs to just be tailored to fit the group's needs or the individual's needs rather than a, one size fits all. You know, this is everything you need to know. So that's what we really are trying to do: keeping it uh, dynamic, keeping a hybrid style of learning. And I don't think it's dead. Is is learning dead, Ira? I think people constantly. I'm a lifelong to- learner. Exactly. I went to people want to evolve and, <laughs> and there's no better time than COVID to uh, be doing some education in isolation and learn some new skills. And we've made it very approachable and casual so that it welcomes anyone. Uh, English can be their second language. We've made it, you know, very user friendly. And I, I think that if people want to better themselves and continue to grow their minds, like there will forever be opportunities. It's about how you position it and what's unique about your education that you're bringing to the market.
1: That's so true. Absolutely agree. Thanks, right. Janelle.
2: Right,
0: I'm gonna yes, agree. I, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> agree. Janelle, you were talking just earlier on. I want to get to the news, but before that, you were saying earlier on there's still people that don't have that education out there. I mean, I, I just find it. I mean, I guess I've been doing it for a decade now and I'm just I don't know if I'm a, am I tired? I don't know what it is.
1: That you that have used cannabis for years and don't actually know about it from yeah. uh, from like a plant perspective. You know, there are people who who use it on a daily basis, but they don't understand the cannabinoids. They don't understand THC versus CBD or having the balance, and they don't even understand strains. I know people who smoke, and they don't even know what strain they're smoking.
0: (laughs) Right, I'm gonna just interject there and say, let's not smoke, let's just vape, but vape flower. Nothing that actually, if it moves, probably not great. It's not its natural form. Right.
1: So even when it comes down to vaping, just using cannabis in general. They're using the, the the buds to then create butter or oil for edibles. They don't know, you know, the THC component. They don't know CBD. They they have no understanding of that. And I find myself educating people quite often. Um, I mean, I had a conversation even with my boyfriend's father most recently, where he didn't even realize that CBD was uh, wasn't psychoactive. Right. He believes that every part of the cannabis plant is, you know, it will get you high, and, you know, he thinks of it in a negative manner, and, like, I had to have that conversation where, like, nope, there's actually medical applications, and, you know, go in depth with him, and I find those type of conversations, I'm having them more often than not, which means a lot of this education isn't trickling down to the masses.
0: You know, First of all, you know, I guess that's so true. And also people, uh, you know, getting high is not necessarily a bad thing as a physician, putting my physician, putting my physician hat on, you know, when we look at at what medication does for us, living a better quality of life isn't a bad thing. And if if feeling euphoric uh, helps you live a better quality of life, then so, so be it, man. Like nothing wrong with that. It's somehow anything that doesn't toe the line seems to get people you know all up in arms or gets governments and gets you know uh, policymakers up in arms and I think maybe one of the major reasons that it does that is because you can't control somebody who's you know a free thinker and feels good you got to keep people down and if they're not feeling good it's a good way to keep them down and say oh we're the only people that can make you feel better but yeah. if that's not the case you know then you then you're then you have a whole other you know then governments and uh, policymakers makers have, have free thinkers on their hands and free thinkers aren't what people want. That's not, when you're trying to institutionalize something, you don't want free thinkers, you want people towing the line. I don't think anybody in this room is towing the line. Kelly, 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 do you tell the Kelly doesn't tow. It's yes. debatable, it's <laughs>
2: debatable. I also just want to add to your question about, you know, if education's dead. Yeah. I think it will it will live a very long life in the cannabis industry, because this is a new sector and we're learning every day about new cannabinoids and terpenes and what the hemp plant can do to make the world greener. But it's about relearning or unlearning this uh, stigma totally. of 70 years. Yeah. So yeah. It's, a, it's a long road ahead. So we can say education's dead and we've all undone the learning and the stigma. Yeah. So
0: Good point. How is that? how i guess you must have seen that over uh you know down in southeast down in southeast asia like uh, janelle you asked her the question what was uh you know what's it like doing this education are you afraid to go and do this education like what is the stigma like over there and 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 how much you know the the opportunity it looks like from that photo i looked at you know people the 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 people are really happy with it the doctors want in on it which is amazing here it never started from that it was definitely not a top down Uh, It looks like those physicians really wanted it like, you know, uh, you know, were you afraid going there?
2: Uh, I really wasn't. But I guess, you know, like years in Cambodia and time alone in India, like I have built up some thick skin. I knew we were working alongside local doctors, so that made me feel more comfortable. And I wasn't selling product. I was just bringing information, Uh, you know, a a lot of studies. We had some of our uh, guild experts video call in. So it wasn't just me standing there. And we were working alongside the locals. And I, I get the sense that they're very hungry for the information. And you should be excited, Ira, and you should get out of your you know, Hamilton bubble, because the world needs this information and will for the next, you know, decade, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's a North American bubble, because I've been spending, you know, a decade educating in North America, um, and not so much over overseas. Yeah, I've spent, you know, I've done some work with, you know, Brazil and, and, uh, and in Israel, but like, definitely haven't got over into Asia or Europe. and. And so it's really great to have your your insight today, you know, even though you give me a hard time all the time, but you're a really wonderful person. And honestly, at the end of the day, uh, fuck, be an agent for change. I love what your message is there. Be an agent for positive change. I guess we can be an agent for shitty change and we don't need any more shitty change. Like COVID was a shitty change. Now we're all inside. I don't want you to be an agent for COVID. Be an agent for positive cannabis change. Be a good influence. I love that.
2: Influence. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think be a change agent is positive. Like, I I don't think you changing for the negative. You're not, you're not an agent for anything then you're sabotaging.
0: Sure. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Kelly, thank you so much for being, you know, for coming on here and, and talking to us about yeah, what you've done with your life. It seems like fucking awesome. Tremendous. I do have my swear jar. I swear. I'm trying. Honestly, guys, I promise you. And mom, I promise you, I, I am trying not to. I'm not really. I guess I can't promise you. I do swear a lot. It just is what it is. You got to get over it. Um, and Kelly, thank you so much. We're not done yet because Janelle, I want to hear what's going on in the news. Sure. Anything?
1: So, one of the interesting stories that are out today is that there is actually a hospital in Israel that is testing how cannabis can actually, well, more specifically, CBD can be used in the treatment of COVID 19. So, as we probably already know, inflammation is actually a huge part when it comes to the symptoms that you experience. So they're actually testing out using Mm -hmm. CBD to reduce um, the inflammation associated with COVID-19. So that's a study that's going on there. They're using moderately ill people to test it out on. And um, I guess we'll hear about the results shortly.
0: You know, I'd like to hear about that. There was a study done, probably in 2013. I love studies. There was a study done in 2013. Putting my doctor hat on, I got to take this off and go put on my gas mask, because that's what all doctors have to wear these days is fucking gas masks when we go to work. So uh, we've we've exchanged the we've we've exchanged the stethoscope for a gas mask, basically. Um, but anyway, I digress. Squirrel. Um, in 2013, there was a study. That was done looking actually at THC mostly as a, um, as a, anti-inflammatory in se- patients that had severe infections that we call sepsis, uh, looking at what it did to the markers of inflammation, specifically things called cytokines and interleukin. These are things that, uh, that these are markers that cause, that cause inflammation. And one of the findings was that it actually caused what we call apoptosis of those specific markers, which means it blew up those markers and decreased the inflammatory process. So, It'll be interesting to hear what this study comes out with, that's for sure. Um, Definitely just to let people know it's not a medicine that we should be using currently to treat the symptoms of SARS-CoV-2, otherwise known as COVID. So uh, we shouldn't be using it, you know, just yet, unless it makes you feel good. That may be the only other reason to use it. But don't smoke it, (laughs) because this is a respiratory issue. Okay, yeah, yep.
1: So the Ontario Cannabis Store has been in operation for a little over a year. And they actually did a customer preference survey. So they did a survey with the customer with a, a group, with a portion of the customers that they sent out. And it kind of asked people questions about their preferences in terms of buying and using cannabis. And it was pretty interesting some of the top responses that came back. So when asked what the top three preferences um, when they smoked, most people said they preferred rolling a joint. Um, Second to that was smoking a bowl. So (laughs) Ah, I'm losing losing
0: the battle. What the
1: (laughs) (laughs) pre-rolls aren't as popular as um, I would have thought. Most people actually prefer rolling their own joint. Why am I losing? They want to see the weed. That's why. Is that it? Is that it? Is that it? People want to see it? So when asked for other options um, for using cannabis, they most people said that they were interested in chocolate infused chocolate, and then oils and teas kind of lagged behind. But most people were either they wanted to smoke or they wanted to eat it in, tro- in chocolate form.
0: Really? So edibles yeah. are. Listen, I want to know why I'm losing. Why K- Kelly, you said people want to see the weed. What do you mean?
2: What's inside that joint? What does the bud look like? Is it, right. you know, your swaggy schwag trimmings, or is it, you know, crystally green budlets? Like I don't know if it's just pre-rolled and the ritual factor. People like a certain paper, a certain filter, they like to do it themselves. The ritual. The addiction. Factor.
0: The addiction, you know, whenever we talk about addiction and mental health with cannabis, you know, addiction doesn't present like your traditional addiction to like crack or cocaine or heroin, where it's like, here, I'll give you a hundred dollars or an eight ball. And they're like, I'll take the eight ball. Cannabis guys will be like, yeah, I want the hundred bucks and then go buy weed with it. Uh, but um a ritualized, you know, addiction where I gotta use my favorite pre-roll or my favorite rollies. I gotta use, go to my, go to my favorite corner and use my favorite bong with my favorite homies and do like whatever. That's how addiction presents. So maybe we've got to break that. That's what we're trying to break. I've been trying to break that for a decade. I'm getting nowhere. Damn it. Well, do you fault. strictly
2: vape? You never smoke?
0: Don't ask me that question. Do as a, don't ask me that. <laughs>
2: of course i you know, uh, you
0: know uh, listen listen kelly you know um uh that i do once in a while i'll smoke for sure you know like i think most people do every so often but for the most part 99% of the time uh 0. 0.5 i am uh, i am vaping and uh Because, you know, the reason why I do it, one of the major reasons why I do it is, you know, I talk about mindful consumption all the time. And uh, and cannabis people, cannabis in the mm, people who work in the cannabis industry are always talking about the health benefits. And we talk about all the healthy parts to it and all this shit. So if we're going to talk about the health benefits to it, why the fuck are we smoking it? Right. And just like if we know that combustion isn't good for you, but yet we want it's like, oh, let's smoke a joint here and and at the same time talk about the health benefits. It doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like you got to if you're going to walk the walk, talk the talk, walk the walk. And uh, and okay, (laughs) And so for the most part, you know, that's what I
2: do. But then can I ask you a question as a doctor? Is there a uh, format where the bioavailability is as great as smoking it?
0: The bioavailability of smoking is the worst. Bioavailability of smoking a joint is about 10%. The bioavailability of vaping is about 50%. So the bioavailability is a lot higher when you vape than when you smoke. When you smoke, you lose most of it to combustion and sidestream. And, uh, and, and what you don't do when you vape, you actually save yourself a ton of money because you get about 30% more, 30 to 40% more when you vape. I'm just going to drop the mic. Boop.
2: Yeah. But for people who have been smoking it, they've, this is like, a, not right. just my own opinion from talking to patients. Like you just, you don't, you don't get high enough. You don't right. get the so same. So I'll tell you
0: either. why. Yeah. So I, get I that know question.
2: why I'm just no, telling you, you why, why the trend is. Is smoking but, so right. A so the
0: high, but when I tell people, when people I get that all the time, people tell me, you know, I feel so much higher that initial high I only get when I smoke a joint and I don't get with vaping. The reason that you get that is because when you are smoking a joint, you're getting an anoxic brain injury from combustion. So the c o two, buildup in your brain and the lack of oxygen to your brain makes you lightheaded and you feel really high. That combined with the cannabis, you feel double high. You know, try holding your breath, you'll get the same fucking feeling. So, you know, that's what happens when you feel that extra high from smoking a joint versus vaping. So, I mean, you know, eh, you don't want to do it. Just saying.
1: Well, another interesting point that actually came up was that,
0: What's people, that okay? Let's go to the survey.
1: People actually prefer cannabis with higher levels of THC. So, most of respondents, that was about 46%, said that they prefer uh, cannabis with more than 20% THC.
0: Oh, yeah. So, I believe that. And Kelly, I think that's true. Um, I do think that, you know, the main recreational reason to use cannabis is to get high. I actually think that's the best reason. It's the only reason to use recreational cannabis is to just get high. Agreed?
1: Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so that brings me
0: into interesting conversation. Kelly and I agreed on something. I'm going to do that.
2: Oh, I love it. An hour. It took us a- a I
1: hour. I love it. Go. Oh, God. So yeah, the, the, the next story is actually about uh, medical cannabis. So right now there's a whole debate that's going on in New Jersey where the question now is: should medical patients be allowed to grow their own cannabis, particularly in areas where growing your own isn't allowed. Um, just because, like with COVID, there is supply chain issues. Um, people who ha- who might be immunocompromised or might have existing health issues, they can't go out and like line up and go to the the dispensaries and stuff like that. So it's like, should they grow their own? And then it brings about that question of how many people are using the rec market for medical purposes, um, and like how that contributes to the whole conversation.
0: Yeah, you know, to me. And uh, next week, actually, we're going to have a good friend of mine on from California. Uh, his name is Brian Chaplin. He's going to. Uh, um, he he actually said something to me about two years ago when I was in California on a retreat. On the, when I used to have the cannabis retreats, he says, you know, he used to say, "As below is, um, is above." Uh, so, being like the growing of cannabis itself and the roots of cannabis is just as important as the medicine that comes off of the cannabis plant. And so I think growing cannabis is therapeutic in itself. Um, and, uh, and so I'm totally for people growing their own cannabis. Now they, you know, you have to do it appropriately. You have to know what you're growing. Most of the people that grow, I'll tell you, they just come and say, I'm growing something. I don't know what the fuck it is, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that doesn't help if it's medicine. Like you go to a doctor and you say, Oh yeah, I just, you know, I just take this pill. Cause I don't know what it is. You know, uh, you got to treat yourself. And I think, cannabis is one of those prime examples of something that's awesome because you have the ability to treat yourself with it and therefore you should know what you're taking
1: yeah so, and well, that takes me into the next story
0: <laughs> so we, kelly and i have agreed on two things i saw a tiny little nod out of her
2: <laughs> I, I agree i think that definitely it's therapeutic to do any type of gardening and uh Patients should have that choice or to assign like a a designated grower, but I think that there needs to be uh, commercially available, accessible cannabis for those who are too ill or don't have a family that could grow for them Uh, that needs to be available. And especially for those who need it in a um, standardized, highly quality controlled setting due to their uh, condition. So I'm all for both. Yeah, I'm all for both as well,
0: obviously. Okay,
1: we agreed. Awesome. We,
0: we agree on something. That's two things, maybe three things.
1: Okay, last story. What do you got? So we've talked about this a few times with, you know, the onset of the pandemic. There has been a surge in cannabis um, purchasing uh, around the globe. So... Research has actually shown that the rise in sales is actually because people are using cannabis to cope with the stress of the pandemic. So again, like that whole conversation of where you guys were just talking about people self-medicating, yes. uh, going to recreational stores and they're purchasing cannabis to kind of self-medicate. And when, I mean, does that bring about the question, like why aren't more people leaning on the medical market or should self-medicating just be allowed?
0: You know, Kelly, you want to go on that? Or you want me to take that?
1: You
2: can go for it. I'll follow suit. All right. Oh, okay. Fine. We're getting alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are getting... That, that. That is very cordial of you. Thank you. Um, here's my thought. Uh, I mentioned it a second ago. I think there's one reason to go to the recreational market, and that is to get high. If there is a reason behind getting high, aside from... Uh, hey, I just want to have a good night. You now fall into the medical market, and uh, if you're medicating for any purpose that's uh, you know that that has a medical intent behind it, then I believe you should probably be followed by a physician who can do that. Um now does it have to be a physician or is there a process to doing it at least finding the appropriate until you find the appropriate strain for yourself the recreational market doesn't have a lot of options when it comes to medicating for or medicating period it's mostly there for high THC and to get high we already said that's the number one reason so anything aside from that i do think that you should probably follow up with a qualified healthcare practitioner at least until you find a a chemo var or a strain that works for you. Once that happens, I fully believe in knowledge transference. And I believe that physicians are here to facilitate your help, but not be the, you know, that old patriarchy of take your pills and go home. You are in charge of your own medicine. So after that happens and you find that dose, I think it's fully fine if they if it is available in the lifestyle or adult use market to go for it. But before that, you know, if you're using it for stress, if you're using it for anxiety and cannabis isn't all that great for managing stress and anxiety, at least in the long term, these are things you need to discuss with a healthcare practitioner. First,
2: I would agree with what Ira said, getting to a place of knowing uh, what strain or combination and dosing is is best for you and your um, condition. Uh, I do think, though, that maybe the recreational market could help uh, sort of segue and bridge into the medical by not advising people at the store what to take. i've I've s- spent some time in some of the stores around the GTA, and I find that the bud tenders will sometimes make these recommendations just because the pay- the patients whether they realize their patients or not are saying oh yeah and i also have migraines oh and also my dad has parkinsons and these are not qualified medical professionals sure. although they know a lot about cannabis they're not um anyone to be certified giving out medical advice so i feel like there should be a better way for the recreational market to guide people into the medical market but i'm happy that adult use legalization has normalized medical. Medical seems a lot more, using cannabis for medical purposes is a lot more accepted now, even if you're not a recreational consumer yourself. So I am happy about that distinction. It will be interesting to see some countries that just don't have an adult use market and it's much more of a medical wellness over the counter market um, where it's just accessible and accepted, but you don't need to like drive recreational sales because you have medical and wellness play so um well
0: i think uh i think we 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 did a really good job here today we beat this one down and um kelly i'm glad we didn't get into any fights (laughs) um kelly any anybody you want to shout out anything you want us to check out you want to uh, go for it
1: tell
2: us first of all very grateful for the higher estate having me so nice to meet janelle and obviously spend time with you, Ira. I uh, hope everyone uh, wants to chat more about cannabis and social good. Where should they go? They should go to add me on LinkedIn, Kelly Becker, B-E-K-E-R, or they can add me on Instagram, Cannabis Kelly. But definitely check out the Cannabis Education Guild on LinkedIn or Facebook or our website. Like I said, we're taking members in May, and we're just going to continue driving healthy cannabis discourse and social good, and I want... As many people in the industry to be a part of it as possible.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Janelle, anything you want to prop up? Big up. Honestly,
1: I, I just want to encourage people to reach out to Kelly and become a part of the initiative because, I mean, there's only good things that can come from being a part of social good. Thank you, Janelle. Appreciate yeah,
0: it. Totally. Check out, uh, don't forget to check out uh, cannabis.wiki for all your latest news and updates and uh, uh, entertainment. We got everything you're looking for. We're basically a house that that has it all. We're uh, a major cannabis uh, uh, community and a platform that's just growing. And it's, it's amazing to be a part of it. And uh, I can't wait to see all the things that it's doing. Uh, check out uh, the uh, Green Room has uh, an awesome podcast. There's some awesome podcasts on our on our site. Uh, other people that you got to check out. You got to check out Lester, he's sick. You got to check out Dance Hall. Damn, Derek's done yeah. this awesome thing. I love Dance Hall. It's, it's amazing to bring it back and that's that's super amazing. Anyway, I love everybody. Hope you're having an awesome time uh, at, at isolating and, and just stay connected to people. If you can't physically see them right now, just uh, socially see them. Get on all of these things and uh, hope you all like my hat today because I thought I was pretty cool in it. Anyway, see you guys next week. We'll see you at the COVID Corner. Uh, I'll be doing that. It'll be posted on this coming Monday. Every Monday, you're going to see that. Every Friday, you're going to see a, uh, a uh, higher estate. Don't forget May 1st, we are going to be going live every morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Uh, with the Higher Estate Morning Edition for one hour. So uh, that'll be fun bringing you the latest news, uh, fun segments, everything will be fun. And, you know, the usual banter between us and I'll try not to swear. Mom, peace.